0: chapter twenty two of the creators a comedy by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter twenty two jane answered at once if nina would bring prothero to kensington on friday at four o'clock he would meet hugh broderick but prothero refused to be taken anywhere he would not go hanging about women's drawing-rooms it was the sort of thing he said that did you harm he wanted to hold on to what he'd got it was tricky it came and went it was all he could do to hold on to it and if he got mixed up with women he was done for of course he was profoundly grateful Nina assured jane that mr prothero was profoundly grateful but he was she said a youth of an untamable shyness he was happy in an indian jungle or an african swamp the civilized interiors seemed to sadden him. She therefore proposed that Tanqueray, who had the manuscript, should read it to an audience chosen with absolute discretion. Two or three people, not a horrid crowd. For the poems, she warned her fairly, were all about God, and nowadays people didn't care about God. Owen Prothero didn't seem to care much about anything else. It was bound, she said, to handicap him. Jane consented after all the poems were the thing for audience she proposed hugh broderick carom bickersteth laura and arnott nicholson dear nicky who really was an angel could appreciate people who were very far from appreciating him he knew a multitude of little men on papers men who write you up if they take a fancy to you and go about singing your praises everywhere nicky himself if strongly moved to it might sing nicky was a good idea and there was laura who also wrote for the papers the reading was fixed for friday at four o'clock tanqueray who detested readings had overcome his repugnance for prothero's sake his letter to jane was one fiery eulogy of the poet broderick and the others had accepted the unique invitation laura gunning provisionally she would come like a shot if she could get off she said but things were going badly at the moment laura however was the first to arrive who is this man of nina's said she i don't know my dear i never heard of him till the other day she showed her nina's letter laura's face was sullen it indicated that things were going very badly indeed that laura was at the end of her tether but why god was her profane comment because i imagine he believes in him laura declared that it was more than she did she preferred not to believe in him after the things that had been done to papa her arraignment of the cosmic order was cut short by the arrival of george tanqueray nina appeared next she was followed by hugh brodrick and by caro bickersteth Nicky came last of all he greeted jane a little mournfully it was impossible for Nicky to banish altogether from his manner the delicate reproach he felt impossible not to be alive to the atrocious irony that brought him here to be as jane said an angel to sit and listen to this fellow prothero he understood that they were all there to do something for prothero broderick had been brought solely for that purpose tanqueray too and miss bickersteth and miss gunning and he jane holland was always asking him to do things and she had never done anything for him there was Brodrick's magazine that he had never got into jane holland had only got to speak to broderick only got to say to him that arnott nicholson was a rather fine poet and the thing was done it was a small thing and an easy thing for her to do it was not so much that he wanted her to do things he even now shrank in his delicacy from the bare idea of her doing them for all his little palpitating ambition nicky shrank what hurt him was the unavoidable inference he drew when a woman cares for a man she does not doom him to obscurity by her silence and jane least of all women he knew her he knew what she had done for tanqueray because she cared and now she was going to do things for owen prothero nicky sat dejected in the sorrow of this thought brodrick also was oppressed he was thinking of his magazine it had been saved by jane holland but he was aware that at this rate it could also be ruined by her he knew what he was there for he could see with the terrible foreknowledge of the editor that prothero was to be pressed on him he was to take him up as he had taken up tanqueray and from all that he had heard of prothero he very much doubted whether he could afford to take him up it was becoming a serious problem what he could afford levin was worrying him levin was insisting on concessions to the public on popular articles on politics he had threatened if his views were disregarded to withdraw his financial cooperation, and brodrick realized that he could not as yet afford to do without levine he might have to refuse to take prothero up and he hated to refuse jane holland anything as for laura she continued in her sullenness anticipating with resentment the assault about to be made upon her soul and jane who knew what passed in brodrick's mind was downcast in her turn she did not want brodrick to think that she was making use of him that she was always trying to get at him tanqueray a transformed oblivious tanqueray had unrolled the manuscript they grouped themselves for the reading nina on a corner of the sofa jane lying back in the other corner laura looking at tanqueray over nina's shoulder with her chair drawn close beside her nicholson and brodrick on other chairs opposite the sofa where they could look at jane it was to this audience that tanqueray first read young prothero's poems of the vision of god to laura who didn't believe in god to jane absorbed in her embarrassments to nina tortured by many passions to hugh brodrick bearing visibly the financial burden of his magazine to caro bickersteth dubious and critical to nicky struggling with the mean hope that prothero might not prove so very good they heard of the haunting of the divine lover of the soul's mortal terror of the divine pursuit of the flight and the hiding of the soul of its crying out in its terror of its finding of the divine consummation of its eternal vision and possession of god nicky's admirable judgment told him that as a competitive poet he was dished by prothero he maintained his attitude of extreme depression his eyes fixed on jane were now startled out of their agony into a sudden wonder at prothero now clouded again as nicky manifestly said to himself dished 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 he was dished by prothero dished by tanqueray reduced to sitting there like an angel conquering his desire sublimely renouncing brodrick's head was bowed forward on his chest his eyes under his lowering brows looked up at Jane's, gathering from them her judgment of Owen Prothero. Prothero's case defied all rule and precedent, and Broderick was not prepared with a judgment of his own. Now and then a gleam of comprehension caught from Jane illuminated his face and troubled it. He showed, not as a happy creature of the flesh, but as a creature of the flesh made uncontent, divinely pierced by the sharp flame of the spirit it was so that jane saw him once when his persistent gaze drew hers for an inconsiderable moment now and then at a pause in the reader's voice brodrick sighed heavily and shifted his position nina leaned back as she listened propping her exhausted body her soul surrendered as ever to the violent rapture caught now and carried away into a place beyond pain beyond dreams beyond desire and laura who did not believe in god laura sat motionless her small insurgent being stilled to the imperceptible rhythm of her breath over her face there passed strange lights strange tremors a strange softening of the small indomitable mouth it was more than ever the face of a child of a flower of all things innocent and open but her eyes were the eyes of a soul whom vision makes suddenly mature they stared at tanqueray without seeing him held by the divine thing they saw she still sat so while brodrick and nicholson like men released came forward and congratulated the novelist as on some achievement of his own they did it briefly restrained by the silence that his voice had sunk into everybody's nerves were tense troubled by the vibrating passage of the supersensual the discussion that followed was spasmodic and curt nicky charged into the silence with a voice of violent affirmation he is great said poor nicky too great said broderick for the 20th century nina reminded him that the 20th century had only just begun and jane remarked that it hadn't done badly since it had begun with him laura said nothing but as they parted outside in the square she turned eastwards with nina does he really mind seeing people, she said It depends, said Nina. He's seen George. Would he mind your bringing him to see me some day? I want to know him. Nina's face drew back as if Laura had struck her. Its haggard, smitten look spoke as if Nina had spoken. What do you want to know him for? It said. He hasn't got to be seen, said Nina herself savagely. She was overwrought. He's got to be heard. You've heard him. It's because I've heard him that I want to see him. Nina paused in her ferocious stride and glanced at the little thing. The small face of her friend had sunk from its ecstasy to its sullen suffering, its despondency, its doubt. Nina was stung by compassion. Do you want to see him very much? she said. I wouldn't ask you if I didn't. All right, you shall. I'll make him come End of chapter twenty two